0: Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I am with former NFL athlete, nine-year athlete with the Buffalo Bills, Eric Wood. Uh, more importantly, Eric is a strong man of faith. He's a father. He's a husband. He is the man behind the Eric Wood Fund, and he also is the man behind What's Next with Eric Wood, a top-rated podcast featuring some of the top thought leaders in our country. I've been so excited for this episode. I've looked forward to diving in with this brother. We have so many friends in common. Uh, David Nurse is a mutual friend, John Gordon, Ben Newman. Um, And I know that as much as Eric has accomplished, the best is yet to come. So uh, Eric, I want to say this man from the bottom of my heart. I'm so excited that you're with us. I love the way that you wear your faith on your sleeve. I love what you stand for. And I love the great work that you're doing in this world. Thanks for being with us, man.
1: Absolutely. I, I truly appreciate the opportunity to come on here, Jordan. And anybody that's aligned with those guys like you are um, will align perfectly with me. I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Well, it's been on our calendar for some time. And I told my wife this morning, I, gotta, I have to have extra pep in my step today, man, because I'm talking to you. So I, lo- I love your energy, love your spirit, and I love the enthusiasm that you bring to every conversation. Um, I want to get real with you right away, man. And I want our listeners to know that you're far more than just a football player. Uh, you had a very interesting transition and in an early stage in your life. And you had played nine years in the NFL. Twice you were nominated for the Walter Payton Award. Uh, you were also a former pro bowler. I believe at Louisville, you, you, hold, you held the, the second longest streak for games started, right? 49. Yep. Um, so you were an accomplished man. And all of a sudden, in 2018, you have a football injury that changes your world almost overnight. I'd love for you to take us into that transition in your life, take us into that moment. And I know it happened for you at a very unique time. So I'd love for you to unpack that transition for our listeners. Well, I appreciate
1: all those kind words. You definitely did your homework, Jordan, uh, which which doesn't surprise me from all the things I've heard about you. But let me set it up like this. I had one scholarship offer go to college i didn't even start on my high school football varsity team until i was a senior so to even go to the university of louisville was truly a blessing to start as a freshman to have the success that we had at the university of louisville just an absolute blessing i ended up becoming a first-round draft pick to the buffalo bills and played all nine years for the bills and anybody that plays professional sports will tell you how much of a blessing that is in itself because people are shuffled around you can be cut traded. Um, and in any moment, you can go to the facility and get released. It ha- It's happened to so many buddies. So, so for me to play my whole career in Buffalo w- was just just absolutely amazing for me and my family. And I'm entering year nine into my career, and the Bills were in the midst of a 17-year playoff drought. That was the longest in all of professional sports at the time. Right. We trade away Our top three draft picks from the last three drafts before the season, Sean McDermott, our brand-new head coach, Brandon Bean, our brand-new GM, come in, and everybody from the outside in is saying, this is going to be a tank here. Well, what do I do? I sign a contract extension before the season. And, you know, I signed an extension. I said, look, I like Sean McDermott. I like Brandon Bean. I want to spend my whole career here. And if the Bills make the playoffs and I'm not here to celebrate with them, it will eat me up for the rest of my life. That 2017 season was absolutely magical. We end up being the team to break it. When everyone said we were tanking, we we make the playoffs in such exciting fashion at the end of the year. We, we had to win down in Miami. The Bengals had to win in Baltimore. They get it done. We watch it from the locker room in Miami as a team as – Andy Dalton throws Tyler Boyd a touchdown, and we celebrate like little kids. Watch it on YouTube. It's very entertaining. I'm the big curly-haired dude. You'll only see my back because you can see the TV, and I'm jumping up and down. And it was as much fun as it gets. Love it. My wife was super pregnant at the time with our with our son. We had a little girl at the time already. She's, she's pregnant with my son. She goes back to Louisville to prepare to have a baby. I go down to Jacksonville, play in a playoff game. And we ended up losing. And I hate to ever say this because, Jordan, I promise you I'm the most competitive guy you've ever met in your life. But the way it ended up being, it was almost a win-win because either we were going to win in advance of the playoffs or we were going to lose and I would see the birth of my son. Well, throughout that 2017 season, I was the only player on the Buffalo Bills to not miss a snap during the season. And, and it seems weird for me to say that I was the only one. We have 53 guys on a roster. But so much can happen for you to miss a snap you can have your shoe come untied, you can get hurt, you could be beating a team too bad so they take out the starters, you could be losing too bad so they take out the starters. Well, it all worked out perfectly. I was the only player on the team to play every snap that season and I was dealing with stinger issues and for people out there unfamiliar uh, with stingers, it's a you know, a nerve deal in your neck, caused some numbness throughout your body. For me, it was my right arm, which can make things interesting on your snap hand when you're a center. Uh, but it always, all, the feeling always came back before the next play. And my high school buddies got stingers. I didn't think anything of it. Right. And so at the end of the season, I walked into exit physical. So every player in the NFL has to be cleared by the doctors. And then you can go home for the off season. I walked in and I said, hey, I'm the only player that played every snap. I'm about to hop in my truck, drive to Louisville. I'm going to go see the birth of my son. Team doctor said, Eric, let's get an MRI on your neck. Let's just make sure everything's good to go. And if it is, I'll clear you for the Pro Bowl. Go see your son. If not, you know, we'll address it. Worst case, you know, maybe a surgery. I'm sitting in the delivery room waiting for my son to be born. Fifty minutes later, my little curly-haired son's going to come into this world and we had been anticipating a call. I had caught some wind that maybe it's not great news. And I'm thinking, worst case scenario, I have another surgery. And I say another surgery because I, throughout my career, I battled back from the Joe Theismann leg break, an ACL injury. I broke my other leg on Monday Night Football in 2016. So I had been through so many injuries. I thought, man, I'm going to have to do it again. It stinks. But you know what? I'll make it through it again. Well, in that delivery room, I found out that my career is over. And I had just signed a contract extension. We had a house in Buffalo. And, and I'm thinking the direction of our team, we finally make the playoffs. We have our GM. We have our coach. We're going to draft the quarterback of the future coming up. That's why the bills extended me so that I could be the center to kind of nurture this draft pick quarterback that they were going to draft. All taken away. And I'm a guy that's all in on whatever I'm doing. I didn't have a backup plan. I wasn't doing real estate. I wasn't doing broadcasting. I was all in on football. And I do not regret that. But that left me at a time um, where a serious pivot was going to come into my life. And I was not fully prepared for it other than the fact, and I don't want to diminish this in the conversation, other than the fact that I did have a foundation outside of football in faith and family and friends that could truly support me, but career-wise, the way that we're driven, when you take that away from you at age 32, when you fought your whole life for something, it's dramatic.
0: Yeah. Well, I've always believed, man, that sometimes uh, preparation is packaged as pain, Mm. you know, and I think about the way that you've been preparing yourself and I followed your journey you know, into broadcasting and into media from football. And I just commend you on the way that you've handled that journey. I think as humans, you know, God prepares us to handle the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But most people don't experience those two moments right next to each other. Right. right? I mean, that's a really unique experience. And you'll talk about that moment for the rest of your life. Um, But I'm proud, man, of how you've handled the adversity. I love how you've uh, shared your story with so many people to inspire and encourage, and now you've stepped into this world really of influencing, communicating, and broadcasting. And so uh-huh. I want to go there with your story because you have a career that's really taken off, and I know that you're passionate about coaching people. You're also passionate about sports. So I'd love for you to walk us through this pivot into the world of broadcasting and leading and influencing. What are the next steps? What 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 do you do, Eric? Uh, what steps do you take to sort of turn the corner? and start writing the next chapter of your life.
1: Yeah, so I was extremely fortunate. And you mentioned God prepares you for those moments. Well, at the time in 2017, I was an accountability partner for someone on our team that had a life coach. And this life coach in August, I was driving home uh, from the facility and I'm kind of doing a check-in to make sure everything's good with, with my friend on the team. And I said, James McParland's his name. I've had him on my podcast. He's excellent. And I said, I said, hey, Mac, if we started working together, where would we start? And he said, well, you talk about your daughter a lot. And I'll just say this, let's fast forward 15 years. Let's say she's 17 years old and she's introducing you to her high school student body. How does she introduce you? I said, that's a great question, Mac. And he said, well, I'll present two scenarios. I know you well enough now. Here's probably the two scenarios. One is this guys meet my dad. I'm so excited to introduce my dad. He was, a, he was a former NFL football player, and he took that experience into the business world, and he thrived. And he will teach you how to be successful on the field and off. And this is my dad. He'll, he'll teach you so much today. Or this is my dad. He was an NFL football player. He made a Pro Bowl, this and that. But he was my best friend, or he is my best friend. Mm-hmm. He's been to every sporting event I've ever had, every recital, and here's my dad. And he said, those are two great things. Just don't get the one by accident and wish you were at the other. I said, oh, man, that's powerful. I said, when do we start? So I had five months of preparation with a life coach in place be- before my career ended. So when my career ended, it started with examining what my gifts were to, to figure out what I'm going to do next in life. And in some of my gifts, and, and it's hard for me to, to brag on yourself. And, and at times as you examine your own gifts for the listeners out there, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to ask others. I did have to ask others, Hey, what? Yeah. Do you, because I only identified career wise as a football player. So where do you see me um, exceeding in life beyond the game? What do you think some of my gifts are? People said communication, people like, man, you're an encourager. You're a leader. You are a captain in the NFL. Um, you obviously have um, a lot of football knowledge from all your time around the game watching film. So that, that really led me into the broadcast field to be able to entertain people, stay around the game, use my communication skills to be in a broadcast booth and entertain the listeners. So I went in that direction. I'm also big on personal development. You know, at Bobby Petrino, my college football coach used to say, you're either getting better or getting worse every single day. There's no gray area. And there may have been some colorful language in there when he said it. <laughs> but, but I truly believe that. So yeah. for me, it, with me wanting to constantly Uh, seek self-improvement, I started a podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood to try and help me navigate what's next for me in my life to help me figure out how am I going to make my what's next in life my best yet. And so I just started learning from a bunch of people. And could I have a bigger podcast if I just brought in another Buffalo Bills, either former or current player every single week? I'd probably get more listens, honestly. But for me, I love bringing on people like yourself. And God willing, you'll be a guest in the future. And David Nurse and Emma Let, and all these different types of people and the athletes as well. But I want to learn from you. Hey, what do you wish you knew um, right when your career ended that you know now? What do you wish you knew when you are a rookie in the NFL? And I love asking those types of questions. What are your favorite leadership qualities in, in hearing people in business and sport um, pastors, I, I love just listening to leaders speaking. I've just learned so much through that journey. But number one for me was examining my gifts to even be able to make that pivot into something else.
0: Well, I, I want to spend a second here because this is this is key. And if you're listening, you're going to want to take notes here. Um, you said something on David's podcast recently about why you started your podcast, which you just alluded to, right? You said I'm in like episode 72, 72 times sixty minutes with thought leaders, learning, getting better. And then you talked about the evolution of going from football to broadcasting. And you talked specifically about this idea of getting feedback, mm-hmm. you know, receiving feedback. And you craved feedback and you wanted feedback. And you were asking for people and bugging them all the time. You know, hey, can, can, can you give me feedback Can you tell me more? Like, what am I missing? What am I not doing? And so I know that feedback has been a part of your journey and in increasing your awareness and learning from others You know, number one, Eric, I want to know where that comes from, that desire to get feedback, because that can be hard. That can be difficult. And then number two, I'd love to learn uh, from you about what you've learned in receiving feedback. How do you get it? How do you stay consistent? How do you make sure you're receiving it with an open heart? I'd love for you just to speak into this art of getting feedback and learning from other people?
1: Yeah. I mean, I crave the coaching. And I think that comes from being able to see results in my life from great coaches. So mm-hmm. that obviously smart started in athletics for me. If I'm being honest, it probably started with teachers growing up. And I just didn't realize it at the time. But when I was able to see myself through college get so much better by dedicating myself to improving what the coaches said was maybe off on a play. And in football, every step every inch every eye placement hand placement is judged every single day whether it's practice or game and it's probably judged by multiple people multiple times if you have one bad play in an nfl football game everybody from the gm down to your position coach and there's probably three or four people in between are going to let you know about it and so i was so used to that that when i transfer or when i when i transitioning into broadcasting and podcasting, as you know, you just don't get a lot of coaching, you might have a buddy, you might have a friend, and you may hire some one person to kind of give you some feedback. I just didn't ever feel like I was getting enough. So it was constantly reaching out to people that are a little bit further along than me in the journey. Hey, what are some landmines that you stepped on that I can avoid? And where do you see blind spots in my life or blind spots that I'm not seeing within my communication skills, within my interview skills? One of the reasons I started the podcast, honestly, Jordan, was because as an athlete, you're so used to being interviewed and not doing the interviewing. You're Mm. so used to just answering questions and not asking them. And so, and, and honestly, you'll see athletes out at maybe a big dinner and they don't know how to get a conversation going. They don't know how to, yeah. You know, they, they haven't been in a sales meeting for all those salesmen out there that have to take people to lunches and make cold calls. They don't know how to do that. I promise you. We're so used to standing in front of our locker and explaining why J.J. Watt was so effective in the game against the Bills. That's what we're used to doing. So it, it allowed me to kind of get on the other end of the microphone. And then I've honestly learned so much through uh, being coached And a lot of it is you know, now it's it's time management. It's hmm. creating a schedule. It's creating an intentional morning routine because all of that was done for me. When you're hmm. an NFL football player, you wake up every single day. I knew my why. My why was, or my purpose, was to be the best center in the NFL. Yes, I wanted to be a great Christian, a great dad, a great husband, a great friend, a great son. But I wanted to be the best center in the NFL. And I knew what it took. They set the schedule for me they fed me my meals, they would tell me the best things to eat. We went to meetings together, prep together. And then yes, I was willing to go over and above on the preparation because that's my deal. All my confidence in life comes from preparation. And I know you prepped like hell for this podcast, I can tell and I did the same. And I do them for all my podcasts as well. And and I almost think that's how you that's how you honor a guest is through the preparation. Mm -hmm. I may stink as an interviewer, but if I reached out to buddies and found out little nuggets and, oh, I caught you off guard, you didn't think I knew that. Well, now I can gain confidence through that and I can honor the guests in that way. But for me, it was so much stuff that when you're kind of in that football bubble, that professional sports bubble, you're, you don't learn those skills along the way because a lot of them are done
0: for you. Man, so true and really well said. And again, I just admire your desire and then ability To execute, receive feedback, learn from others. And I want to stay on this topic for a minute because one of the things that you've done well, and it's well-documented, I think people kind of know this about you. David Nurse certainly says this about you, that you're masterful at relationship building and just pouring into other people, about surrounding yourself with the right people. And that's something that I think um, probably is a natural gift of yours, Eric, but I think it's also something that you've worked at. I think David's worked at that. Ben's worked at that. You know, I want to know what you're learning about the art of building relationships as you navigate this new professional path from football to business. Yeah, so
1: you know, it's pretty well known. I'm sure it's been said on here before. This is going to be earth-shattering that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I heard Les Brown say in a speaking engagement one time that over a lifetime you'll make between uh you'll make an average of $2500 of the five people you spend the most time with, which is earth shattering, if you consider that. Um, and if you look at my group of buddies, that'd be the widest range you've probably ever seen. Cause, (laughs) um, you know, I, I, I love people. I, you know, I truly do. But for me, Aligning myself with the people with the same values that are going in the same direction as I'm going in life is super important to me. And now with social media and the pandemic almost made it easier because a lot of these big time speakers, these big time performers, they got off the road. They got a lot more time on their hands. And as we're sitting here and you're in Iowa and I'm in Kentucky, we can have a conversation and connect. And so, you know, with social media, you're really probably only one degree of separation from anybody in the world. And nowadays, and I heard this said to me recently, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, what if I don't live in LA? That's where David Nurse is at. That's where Ed Milette's at. That's where John Gordon spends a lot of time. You know how you make them part of your top five? You consume enough of their work. And then they become, because people are putting their best self into their podcasts, their books, their videos. Well, if you consume enough of their work, then they end up rubbing off on you enough, even if you're not spending a lot of time with them in person, but for me personally, I just know that if I surround myself with the right people, um, then then I'm going to kind of stay in my guardrails of life value wise, and I'm going to be able to achieve things through alignment, um, which is which is extremely important to me. Well, I,
0: I think some of it's just being deliberate, right? You've been very deliberate, very intentional with your actions, with your time. Someone said this to me the other day, and I'd have to fact check this, Eric, but I think this might be true that the average NFL starter, if you consider offense, defense, special teams, okay, whistle to whistle, the average NFL starter really only plays real-time, whistle to whistle, 11 minutes per season. If you look at the entire season, taking plays off, right, special teams, yep, defense, offense, running clock, right? So the actual four or five-second play is, is happening very seldom, right? Like the actual time that you're competing is a really small window. But think about the time that you spend preparing and practicing for Mm. 11 minutes. Think about that, man, all year long. And you know that better than anyone, right? In the off season, think about going all the way back to middle school or high school, all the time that you spent preparing for minutes, for five second windows, and one second too late, one second too early, a half a second off, and it changes everything. And so, man, you've been deliberate, you've been intentional, and you've prepared so that when that window comes open and today maybe it's a conversation instead of a football play, you can make it count, right? When that opportunity presents itself. So I just want to commend you again for that. I've watched your intentional spirit. I watched the way that you're deliberate and how you act toward others, how you elevate others. And I see that man and how you're operating and living life. So I know one area that you're deliberate. Would you want to say something on that? Yeah,
1: I was going to, I was going to say, um, I don't know exactly how I can do the math on that, but the average NFL play lasts about six seconds. So about 60 plays a game, 16 games a year, now 17 games a year. But you're probably right, which is crazy. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to – so there's a lot of people probably listening out there like, you mean to tell me – and, and let, me, let me say this first. Not every player on an NFL team makes seven figures a year, eight figures a year. There's a right, lot of people right. – that are not making that. The average career is only three and a third years, and there's so many people that are making league minimum. They're on the practice squad. They're not making the dollars you probably think they do. A lot of them have to carry two residences. Um, You cut it in half for taxes. It's not quite the money you see. But a lot of people out there are probably like, man, Eric made X amount of dollars a year to play 11 minutes on the field. It's kind of like the pastor you see on Sunday, and you're like, I don't know if he should make that much money if he just – is doing two sermons on Sunday. Well, you don't know all the prep. You don't know everything he's doing. You don't know what that musician who's making all that money that you see playing that concert, you don't know what it took to get to that point. Uh, So, and and man, you're going to hear that at a speaking engagement on a podcast soon. If I can confirm that math, Jordan. Well, Hey, whether it's 11 or 19, or I
0: don't know, whatever the math is, regardless, it's it's, tiny. It's it's tiny. And it's part of your story.
1: It is. And you know what? And life's about that. Like, you you might prep for years and years and years. And and I'm thinking of multiple people at this time. Uh, Justin Gatlin, I just recorded a podcast episode with him. He's going to be running uh, in the Olympics, God willing, um, in a couple months from now. And he's 39 years old. He won Olympic gold at age 22. And if he runs a race in 10 seconds, he lost. If it's nine, six, nine, seven, he probably wins. So he's training because the Olympics got delayed five years for nine seconds. And, and he's got to show up in that moment. So I want to know what what's your mindset like in that moment? Well, what you might be doing right now, you never know what that's preparing you for in life. You're working hard, the discipline, um, you living a healthy lifestyle, you aligning yourself with people, you treating your wife and your kids well so that you can be successful in all buckets of life are preparing you for an opportunity. And I don't know what it is, but there's an opportunity coming and you won't understand it's there unless you prepared yourself to be ready for that opportunity.
0: That's so true, man. So true. And and sometimes the opportunity uh, that you're going through to get to the opportunity that you want is not fun right? Mm-hmm. Like I think about your story. Sometimes God's preparation is packaged as pain. Yep. And sometimes we don't want to go through the stuff that we have to go through to get to where we're headed. But man, that's been your story. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's preparation. It's, you know, the legend that was born in the Valley of Struggle. And here you are, man, doing big things. So uh, just cool to think back on your journey and all that God's brought you through. Yeah, I
1: asked asked Junior Bridgman on my podcast. Junior Bridgman's now the second richest NBA player of all time. And unless you're a basketball junkie, you probably don't know who Junior Bridgman is. He was a journeyman NBA player. I believe he played nine seasons in the NBA. He never made over $200,000 in one NBA season. And now he's the second richest of all time behind Michael Jordan but he's also a rock star Christian. He's got the greatest reputation of anyone I've ever met. And I asked him and he's so humble. He wouldn't give you, he he wouldn't brag on himself if you paid him. But I asked him, I said, and I couldn't afford what he would cost, but I said, uh, I said, how'd you keep that reputation over 66 years? He said, Eric, I just have these guardrails in my life and I just never go outside of them. You know, I know I'm going to work hard. I know I'm going to keep my Christian values. I know how I'm going to treat my wife and kids. I know what what he's good at, and that's franchising restaurants. And so I just stayed in those guardrails. I'm like, man, it's so simple, but so inquisitive.
0: Yeah, man. Well, and and so important, right? So important in life as young men, you know, they get distracted and there's a lot going on around us. To stay focused on the things that matter is key, you know? I'm going to share part of a private conversation that we had before the show started, um, you said I think the new cool has changed, right? right. Like the tough guy act is kind of overrated, and the new cool is like loving your family, you know, staying close to your faith, doing the right thing, building other people up. And I made a comment to you that I see that in you with how you carry yourself and how you treat others. And I'll say this, man. I want to. I want to press upon this. You spotlight your kids. And you show the silly stuff and the goofy stuff on social media. And I love watching you be a dad. And I think that's like the most endearing. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Well, and a lot I, of people don't do that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And, um, and I'll come back to that in one second, but I I went to a university of Louisville basketball practice a few years ago, and I was speaking to their team afterwards, but I wanted to watch them practice first and they were really good. they were ranked number one in the country at the time. And, I watched him play practice with extreme effort, but Mm -hmm. in between drills, it was this slouch. It was this walk. It was this too cool for practice attitude. And I told him afterwards, I said, man, you guys work your tails off, but you, you want to seem like you're, you're putting on this facade. And I said, you know where that doesn't work in professional sports? Like if you mope around and you're not the absolute top of the food chain, In professional sports, they will get rid of you. I said, that's not cool. You're on a four-year scholarship here. You're not on a four-year scholarship when you enter the NBA or when you go to get your next job. So I said, that's not cool. And so for me, like, cool is hardworking, driven. Also, being a great dad, great husband. I get more feedback from people nowadays from my daddy daughter dates that I do with my daughter grace and my son start, my son's three now. So he's starting to be kind of cool. And he likes his dad and he's not, you know, it's like kids get to a certain age and yeah. like the dad can just do a lot more with them. But I started doing these daddy daughter dates. And and I got some great advice when I got into broadcasting, I was going to be on the road a bunch. I said, look, you're I, a buddy of mine. Said, look, you know, I say, oh, buddy, a buddy, a guy who's in his sixties who has kind of been a mentor to me. And he said, look, you're going to be gone a lot. I was gone a lot too. I was the disciplinarian at home. When you're home, your kids are going to start to resent when you're home because it's going to be, Hey, there's no donuts for breakfast. Mm. Dad's home. Hey, we got to go to bed on time. Dad's home. Okay. So he challenged me that during the season to take my daughter on a date a week where she gets to kind of choose whatever she wants. So we started doing those. And at first, you know, you get this, um, you get, you get a little apprehension sometimes when you post stuff on social media, like, am I, am I faking it? Am I really just doing this to kind of show people? And then I came to the realization after I posted it one time and I got 50 text messages from guys that range from probably age 26 to 66 that had stories of, man, I used to take my daughter to breakfast in high school once Mm -hmm. a week and she talked about it on her wedding day. Hey, that was a great idea. I'm going to implement it in my life. And that's kind of the power of social media as well. If we can use it for the right things, we can spread positive vibes, take lessons from each other, learn from each other, as opposed to just spewing hate from behind a computer screen. But that's the reason I do share those things is because I want guys to be confident in, hey, I, I'm trying to be a rock star dad. I'm going to try and be fun. And hey, if you can learn something from me, I'm probably trying to learn something from you as well.
0: Well, people buy who you are and not what you do. Absolutely. And and you've placed your identity in who you are, not what you've done. And that works. It sells. It works. It's what allows us to connect with other people. It's what allows us to build relationships. And so, again, man, kudos to you that you found your identity in the right things, in the right place. And it's amazing the world's response to that, right? Mm-hmm when, Hey, like football is just a small chapter in my life. It's not who I am. It's part of what I did. Right. And it, it, it helps you create a really incredible, you know, awesome platform. Um, but then that chapter closed and you're a dad and you're a husband and you're a man of faith. So, um, Yeah. Someone, not- t-
1: someone told me early in my NFL career, they said, don't take yourself too serious as a football player because we play a game with a ball for a living. We're not saving lives. We're not defending the country. We play a game with a ball. Yes it's frustrating when someone wants to come up to you at a dinner and they interrupt, you know, a date night with your wife. Like I get that's frustrating, but like sign an autograph, be nice to somebody, give back to the community, show your face, spread some positive vibes because ultimately we're playing a game that we love. Yeah. That
0: gives you an increased platform. Use it the best you can. Perspective, man. And I love the humility uh, that you just shared that with Uh, Mark Batterson said this recently. He said, I want to be respected most, By people who know me the best. Mm. And that's the journey you're on, right? Is being respected most by people who know you the best. I will not let you off of this episode without asking you about your faith. Uh, because I think sometimes in today's world, it's hard to wear your faith on your sleeve. Um, you do it well. And, um, I want you just to open up a little bit, Eric, if you would, on what it means to you to be a man of faith with a significant platform to reach others, maybe the the struggles that you faced in sharing your faith, just being real about that. Mm -hmm. And then um, maybe some of the fruit that you've seen and and some of the work that you've seen God do as a result of the the platform that he's given you.
1: Yeah. So I grew up Catholic and um, it was all about the rules. And when I got to college, eventually you kind of break away from your faith if you're only a rules-based Christian. And so By the grace of God, I got introduced to a guy named Chris Morgan. He ran the FCA program at the University of Louisville, still does. And I got introduced to him and found a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that became the foundation for my life. And when I think about my why in life, my why as a player, a lot of it had to do with, I don't want to waste the gifts that God gave me. And Mm -hmm. God gave me the gift of size. My little brother, who's 30 years old, is 5, 10, 175 pounds. I played at 6, 4, 310 pounds. My little brother couldn't play on an NFL field. I want to maximize the gifts that God gave me in all assets of life. But my my foundation of my faith was one of the things that was able to carry me through tough times in life. It's part of the reason why I live with joy on a day-to-day basis. And I just, I mean, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude each and every day. Part of that's, you know, being intentional about being grateful, carrying gratitude journal, waking up, getting in the word first thing in the morning. If you're struggling through life right now, you know, the Bible talks about tithing 10% of your money. Tithe the first 10 minutes of your day, get in a morning Mm. devotional, get in the Bible and just see what it does for your life. If it doesn't work after 30 days, if it doesn't change anything, drop it, just give it a shot but that doing those things over time has just transformed my thought processes. And when you hit those big moments of life, I've heard it said you're either going into a storm coming out of a storm or you're in one at all times of life. So you better be prepared for those storms and you better have a foundation. It's wild to me to think back on and and Jordan, I I hate to even admit it at the time uh, right now, but throughout this season in 2017, our chapel each week, was the verse from Matthew about having a foundation built on rock. And the storms came and the wind blew, but the, that house stood because it was built on the rock. I didn't even think about it in those moments where I was you know, just so distraught about my career ending. I didn't even think about it. I thought back to it when I had a rock sitting on my dresser and I looked at it and I said, wow, God spoke to me through 17 chapels that year, all based on a verse that was going to set me up to be able to withstand what I'm going through now, because I have this foundation built on the rock. And and so you asked me um, when it's been tough for me to share my faith. It was tough for me to share my faith when I felt like as a Christian, when I first got baptized, when I was 26 years old, I guess, baptized again, I was baptized Catholic as a baby. When, when I, me and my wife got baptized at age 26, it was tough for me to share my faith because I felt like, okay, now I got to be perfect. Now, Mm. if I screw up, then everybody's going to rub it in my face. Hey, weren't you the guy that got baptized? Hey, Eric, what's different about you now? Um, I thought I thought you got baptized. And once I came to the real realization that any faults I have now actually just allows me again to say, look, I am not perfect. If you try and serve Eric Wood, I'm always going to let you down. But I serve a perfect God who won't. And mm. I, mm. I'm not, do I strive to look more like Jesus every day. Yes. Am I perfect in doing that? No. You know, I, I fully admit it. If Paul says it. Paul wrote a majority of the, old te- uh, majority of the New Testament. And he starts most of them off as saying, most of his letters start off by saying, and I'm the worst sinner of them all. And so <laughs> if Paul can have that humility, I hope that I can carry that same humility with me. But at first it was tough for me to share my faith just because, you know, we're all going to be living in sin and we all recognize our own sin probably more than others do because we know more about ourselves. Like you said, Uh, We want those closest to us. Well, sometimes, not sometimes, all the time we know ourselves more than anybody else. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard for us to look past the sin in our life, to be able to say to somebody else, let me share the gospel with you. But some of the fruit I've seen from it, I I shared my testimony at a couple's Bible study in Buffalo one time, and and I was kind of stuck. I didn't have, at that point in my life, I didn't have this big aha moment. It wasn't like, you know, I have a best friend who beat cancer and, you know, he turned his life over to Christ and it was big ordeal. Like I didn't have that moment. I just got to a point where I said, man, enough people in my life have poured into me. And the people that I look up to most are all Christians and they live the way they treat their wives, the way I want to treat my wife. They treat their kids the way I want to treat my kids. Like there must be something to this. And gradually I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't have that moment. I asked my wife, I said, what's different about me? She said, well, your temper is a lot better than it used to be. So I guess my temper kind of changed. Well, there's been a lot of change over the years, and that's a maturation process as well. But, you know, I've, I've led a group um, of men at our church. We have a big group we call Man Challenge on Thursday mornings. Half the challenge is getting there at 6 a.m. for a lot of guys. <laughs> but we have this big group called Man Challenge, and I lead a table, and that's split off into other tables. And now my original table is – 30 something guys, I've baptized a number of friends. And um, I always I always tell the people at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky that, you know, you guys might not be willing to drink beer with people till 11 or 12. Like I'll go get those guys for you. And and (laughs) I love that. I'm your recruiter. Um, And so and so uh, we have some fun with it. But honestly, the 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 change I even see in their life becomes fruit in your own. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And um, to have the relationship that I have with my life, um, you know, I think a lot of that is based upon the Christian
0: values that we have. Yeah. Well, man, if Jesus was the greatest leader of all time and he led from a secondary position, mm. it says something about service, you know? And, and I think that's so much of what you're talking about and so much of what I've seen and, you know, preparing for this interview and just examining your life and the way that you operate. And I I think this, man, Eric, I'm going to say this to you before I let you go. I think God's hand is all over your life. I really believe that. And I think you'll have a John Maxwell, Craig Groeschel sized impact on this world. But it's because you realize that your gift is not your own, you know, and the gift that you have is bigger than you. It was given to you. It could be taken away. But I think you've been a great steward and I'm excited to see where life takes you. Well, I I truly
1: appreciate that. And for those, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about examining your gifts when you hit that point of transition in your life, when you hit that low point. And a lot of people have hit that point of transition because of COVID. A mm -hmm. lot more people will be experiencing it further because at some point the economy's got to dip. It can't just keep soaring. There's going to be more and more periods of transition career wise. There's a lot of people that, you know, are probably sick of their relationship they're in because you've spent so much time with just one person, whatever it is, when you hit that point of transition, you examine your gifts, but also look to serve others, get outside Mm -hmm. of yourself. I, I got, it was almost like so many people right at that point of transition were telling me that it was almost like, God was like, dummy, knock, knock, like, listen to this right now. Start serving others. Get outside yourself. Quit worrying about what you're going to do next and start serving others and watch the fruit I give you in your life. So get out and serve others. And I heard it said recently, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It said you're most powerfully suited to serve those that are in a place that you were. So Mm -hmm. who am I in a position to serve? A bunch of people. Yes, athletes, athletes, maybe college football players, NFL football players. Yes, I was that. But at one time I was not married at one time I was not a dad at one time I was not a Christian, not that long ago, I weighed 310 pounds. You know, there's a lot of areas that I can serve people by passing along my lessons. If you think back in your life, there are so many people that are where you once were that you can serve them with the lessons that you've been given because you can think back to so many people that served you with their life lessons that they were given
0: so much value in this episode. And there's so much value that you dropped. And I know our community is better because of this conversation. Um, I just want to publicly thank again, David nurse that he connected us because this was gold, man. And I was looking forward to this. I knew it'd be good. It was way better than I expected. And I'm excited to see truly, man. I'm excited to see where God takes you. And I'm excited to see what happens in your life. Uh, I know there's really big things in store, Um, What's next? When you think about what's next for Eric Wood, tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to and what's on the horizon for you. Yeah, so for
1: me, uh, the fall is approaching. So we got Buffalo Bills football. I call their games. Um, The past two years, I've been working with ESPN and ACC Network. Keep the podcast going. I'm in the process of writing a book right now, which is a tremendous Task, especially for a former athlete that's been hit in the head a bunch of times, but that's been a lot of fun, um, and it's really convicting when you go to write a book as well, uh, when you have to uh, look introspectively and say, "Ooh, am I really living out what what I'm what I'm putting out there?" But but for me, it's all about, like Junior said, stay in the guardrails. I love to have fun. I love to play golf, but I also love to impact, and I know that that's going to be the most fulfilling for me. So look for ways that I can positively impact people to be successful in all buckets of life, because if it's only career for you, if it's only money, you're going to eventually fall short. You're eventually going to hit that rock bottom. If you don't look at your life in a well-rounded fashion.
0: It's great counsel, man, such good wisdom. And I know that we're going to do stuff together moving forward. I'm already thinking about a virtual event. You got to be a speaker. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you more, getting to know you better. Uh, Where can people find you? My last question, Eric, where, where can somebody check you out, get in touch with you, stay connected.
1: Yeah. My website is ericwoodmedia.com on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at EWood70. I'm very responsive on Instagram. So at EWood70 on Instagram, if you like this episode, please share it, spread the message that Jordan's putting out there, share it on your story. We'll probably (laughs) both share it as well. Get your
0: reach out there. But um, I'm, I'm the most active on Instagram. Well, you're, you're a great follow, man. You're always spreading positivity. Uh, here's one unique thing that you do. You elevate others through your platform. You are constantly tagging people, elevating people, shouting people out and uh, lifting others up. So great follow. Follow Eric. If you don't follow him already, Um, I enjoy following you, man. I'm proud now to call you a friend. Thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, man. Thanks for sharing this episode and this conversation with our listeners.
1: Yeah. Likewise, Jordan. I I truly appreciate this opportunity and can't wait to spend a whole lot more time with you in the future.
0: It's been real. It's been fun. Thanks again, Eric. I look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. All right, man. Be well. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we want to again say thank you to Eric Wood. Eric, thank you for your investment. Thanks for your time. Thanks for the impact that you made today on the Montgomery Company's community. Also want to say thank you to John Choate and James Roth, our producers that make these shows go. If you enjoyed today's session, we would love it if you would like subscribe or share this podcast episode with others in hopes that we might be able to move our mission of impact forward. Keep being great. Have a wonderful day. Go serve somebody and change the world.